All right, welcome, welcome, welcome one, welcome all. Mazel tov, mazel tov on the conclusion of Sefer Ahava, book number two of the Rambam, and moving forth into Sefer Zmanim, book number three. I think every year when, every seven years or so, when they begin the Dafyomi cycle, they have the expression, Ba Shabbos Ba When Shabbos comes, rest comes, because everyone's excited. We begin, they begin the new Dafyomi cycle with brachas, interesting gemaras, stories, and everyone's excited and on, and all of a sudden comes Shabbos and Erevin, and whoa, let's take a break over here, the excitement wanes. We've just concluded two books, Mada and Ava, books that really are very exciting for all of us, and now we're venturing forth into Shabbos, 30 Prakim, Erevin, subjects that are a little bit more complex, subjects that require more patience, longer chapters, prakim that have 30 halachas, sometimes even more than 30 halachas. So one of the purposes of our seeing today is to energize each and every one of us to celebrate this milestone and to give us the kayach to go forward as we learn book number three, Sefer Zmanim, and we do so with umf, with zest, with chayas, and with understanding. Today's seeim is thus dedicated in honor of uh, the birthday of my mother, Zolzayin Gesund. Today is her birthday, and we dedicate today's learning, today's highest and enthusiasm, and all the added uh, learning that will come from this in honor of her birthday. We have today to conclude Sefer Ava. We conclude the book with the laws of Mila. And we have a preeminent Mayol. And I say this not just because that's what I'm supposed to say as an MC to introduce our esteemed guest, but because five out of my six boys uh, have uh, been uh, had their mila with Rabbi Leeds. His professionalism, his bedside manners, his uh, uh, abilities have earned him a reputation throughout Northern California, an area uh, which is uh, a perhaps a difficult area and a difficult niche for traditional mila to take hold. And he has uh, earned a reputation on all the groups all throughout Northern California, Bay Area, Moyle. It is now my privilege, my honor to welcome Rabbi Gil leads a dear friend, a colleague, the Shliach at UC Berkeley, one of the premier universities in the United States of America, together with being a Bay Area Mayor. Rabbi Leeds, Shalom Aleichem, welcome Gil. Aleichem Shalom, thank you for having me. So, a Shliach and a Mayor, how did it happen? What's the story? And uh, if I want to become a Mayor, um, I know you won't object for me to, uh, for, for having two miles in the area, how did it happen? How did you become a Mayo? Please give us a little introduction about yourself. I think I offer you every time I do one of your son's bris and I give you the knife and you choose to avoid me. But um, how did it happen to me? So I'll tell you the truth. It was actually probably the last thing I ever imagined doing, to be honest. I grew up in Los Angeles. I'm a Chuba from the Valley. I grew up in Chabad of Tarzana and Encino. I, uh, I guess you could say I grew up kind of modern Orthodox. I went to Emek and, uh, and Eula. Um, I went to UC Berkeley after college. And uh, while, I was, while I was studying pre-med, I was learning, thinking to be a doctor, a surgeon, I was studying psychology and maybe neuroscience. I was inspired to learn uh, Hasidus. Um, I took uh, by, by the, by the shluchim in the area at the time, it was Rabbi Ferris, Rabbi Yehuda Ferris, Rabbi Yitzchak Kay. There was also Rabbi Welton here, and uh, it inspired me after learning, also listening to, uh, this was back in the day of broadband uh, internet, I was listening to 
the tale of two souls, a side A, side B on my computer in, in, my, in my Chabad house uh, uh, room. I was listening to Tanya and it started putting all, all, of, all of my questions into, into a different light and it, it gave me purpose in, in, in being where I was and inspired me in a way like nothing else. And I decided I wanna take a leave of absence from Berkeley and study in, uh, of all places, I went to YG in Australia, Yeshiva Gudola in Melbourne. And uh, I while I was there, fast forward many uh, four years, I completed I completed uh, Shir Dalit in Morristown, Shlichus in Yeshiv Gudola in Miami, uh, Smicha in Morristown, and was engaged to be married to my wife Bracha, who was also a student at UC Berkeley, who was niskarv by the by the Shluchim there, and we were on kind of parallel paths. That's a whole other story that uh, in its own, and I remember vividly that I was. I was in uh, on Empire, the corner of Empire and uh, Kingston, getting fitted for my kapata through Israel Shemtov, and I got a call from Rabbi Feld, actually his wife, who was on there. He was the moil in the Bay Area for the I don't know since the since the 90s, and uh, he he was the SF Bay Area Northern California region moil, asking me if I'd consider moving back to Berkeley once I got married uh, to take over his position as moil so that he can make aliyah. Um, he knew me and my wife well because when we were students, and this was, you know, in 2000, 2001, and I, I told him, I said, it would never cross my mind, uh, but uh, I said, you know, when I was the, the summer in between uh, Berkeley, my year, my freshman year at Berkeley and going to, and going off to Melbourne, I actually was interning in a hospital, in Tarzana Hospital, and I watched a couple surgeries, and I said, uh, you know, I, I think I could stomach it. I didn't faint. Uh, in, the, in that process, I'll, I'll consider it. So, so actually, let me cut you off there. Let me cut you off there because I really want to ask you this to so many people. Cutting off a moil, you have to be careful. <laughs> so, so what would you say, and all of us deal with this uh, in one way, shape, or form. You're coming from the medical background, now the moil background. Give us the talking points for all of us. We just learned Hilchasmila. We're learning about a circumcision. What is it what would you say to someone? Why have a bris milah? What would you say to convince them? If you had to give them the talking point, why should someone have in 60 seconds or less, why should someone use you and not go to the hospital? Well, of course you want to bring the spiritual component in, but often, oftentimes, which, which we know, I'm going to read at the end of this at, at Sium, that uh, all the bris and all the covenants, this is the covenant of covenants. Um, so that goes without saying. It's, it over supersedes Shabbos and Yom Kippur. This is the most important. Jews kept their, kept, you know, risked everything to keep this mitzvah. But if those don't convince uh, somebody and they want to know what the medical reason is, it doesn't, uh, I mean, it doesn't take more than to consider the fact that if a procedure in the hospital requires uh, anesthesia and strapping a child down to a table and a restraining board, and it, it's a prolonged process um, and, and a moil, is, is literally it's finished before it begins. Uh, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's like getting your ears pierced. How would you not want to do something that would involve less uh, you know, trauma to the child, less, um, uh, less scarring, uh, better aesthetics? Uh, I mean, we can go on and on. The royal moil, the, the, the royal family chooses a moil because this is a, a specialty. You want the royal family in England chooses a moil, that's true? From what I understand, the roy there's, a, there's a royal moil. And uh, it's this is it's it's actually a mitzvah to cause the child. I mean, there's a there's a there's an ounce of pain. It doesn't. It's a normal thing to feel something when something is, is done to you. But at the same time, it's minimized to the 
to the to the point where Jews celebrate this experience time and time again. And uh, as as maybe you heard, there was uh, they, they tried to outlaw circumcision in San Francisco. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that because you were at the forefront of this. We live, thank God, in the Bay Area, which is at the forefront of all new isms. And one of them was to outlaw circumcision. Um, and I know you were at the forefront of that. You had a well-known op-ed that was published all over. Um, can you give us a brief overview? And really, we are short on time. We have another three minutes and so much I want to get to. But how was that? What happened? And can you give us a brief background of how your efforts to keep Mila alive in America? Uh, well, I don't know if San Francisco is part of America, but it's uh, different, definitely a, uh, a, a, a republic of some kind here, People's Republic of Berkeley in San Francisco. So we had, they tried to, to outlaw circumcision and uh, it actually ended up making me a lot more popular than I could have imagined because uh, I was involved with the, the Jewish Federation, Jewish Community Relations Council, which uh, brought me in together with other, um, you know, uh, media, Associated Press came to one of the brisses that I was doing in San Francisco. I was interviewed on the John and Ken show down in Southern California. Um, it ended up, you know, bringing me a lot more publicity. I, I can't say that it was all good publicity because I, I made some new friends, but also some, uh, some enemies. People, there was a, there was an attempt to basically outlaw circumcision for anyone that was under 18 years of age, and it wasn't leveled just against mohels like practitioners that are that are outside of the the medical field. It was also to to hone in on uh, all types of uh, practices, especially doctors. And it was interesting that uh, one interesting thing that I actually I ended up with an, a ten thousand dollar donation thanks to someone who heard me say they said they on the John and Ken show they asked me if I'm going to continue doing it. What happens? I'm going to get jail time and it's going to be a thousand dollar fine. I said. I'm going to be doing it no matter what. And someone sent me a nice, a nice check from some uh, somewhere down in, Sa in San Diego. So it really only benefited. And uh, this is not the Mac. The, the Greeks couldn't stop us. The Romans, nobody's going to stop this mitzvah. This is going to go on forever. So. Wow. Yasha Kayach, Yasha Kayach. Um, one, one quick thing. And, and this is something that I personally face because when we have a child and everyone, a boy and everyone asks when the bris is going to be, I say it's a resnick. It's going to be uh, jaundice and we'll find out. Uh, I was late and my, my, many of my kids were late and it works out well because I get a Sunday bris and then we get the whole community together. So it's nice to push it off a bit, but can you give us some basic backgrounds? Cause I know sometimes in the secular world, they said, what are you pushing it off? It's not dangerous. It is dangerous. Give us some general guidelines. We've learned about Sakana. We've learned about Chia Shabbos, not pushing off Shabbos. Can you give us some general guidelines as a male of how you see it? So practically speaking, yes, that is a challenge that the medical world is not looking for jaundice at the level that we're looking for jaundice. Uh, jaundice, first of all, is, is a, a condition where there's uh, an excess amount of a toxin called bilirubin, which is a byproduct of when the blood cells break down. This is something that the liver is supposed to take care of and remove. And when there's too much bilirubin, the, the skin changes color. It's something if someone's an alcoholic and, they're out and, and their liver doesn't work properly, then they'll have an excess of, uh, of the, this color. And it's due to this toxin uh, called bilirubin. So when there's an excess in bilirubin, it's something that can obviously reach high levels, elevated levels, like in the range of the, today, they do blood tests to check this, uh, this amount. And it's when it reaches over, let's say 20 or so, or depends on which day of the life, there's a bell curve, there's different uh, statistics. So depending on what number it reaches on which day of a, a child's life, it could be actually life-threatening. And so doctors are monitoring that. When the Torah is monitoring it, we're not just looking for it in the case of an extreme level of jaundice. 
Halakha is looking for what's what anesthesiologists, I remember I did a bris for them and their baby was a little jaundice and he said, oh, I understand. You're looking for an optimized health. The same way that the anesthesiologist doesn't want to do a circumcision or uh, any procedure for you, put you under the knife. If you have a little cough uh, three weeks ago, there's the same level of concern that the Torah has as we as at the end of Perak uh, Echad of Hilchus Mila, where the Rambam speaks about it's impossible. It's always possible to do a bris later, but the... Uh, we can't bring back one life. So this is the ultimate concern. And uh, the Moel has the final say. And, and uh, I think there's a letter from the Friedrich Rebbe about how the eighth day is when the Moel says it's uh, the baby's ready. So um, in Chabad especially, we're, we're much more machmir on this. And uh, other communities will do brisin way, way high. But there is today not just uh, uh, to be us ayin, like a, a, the way that we look a visual assessment, but there's also a... a um, an actual number, which we try to stick to, and sometimes it's hard to get actual numbers, but there's a general approach to that. And it's overall, when you explain it that way to parents, they understand that you have the, the Torah has the ultimate, you know, like the most conservative perspective, looking at the baby from all holistically, wanting to make sure that this, the same God that told us to do it on the eighth day also tells us to, to protect our life to the utmost. Wow, thank you for that uh, assessment uh, from based on your professional understanding. Before we let you go, and before we do the Siyam, Rabbi, Gil, what was, out of all the grism you've done, and I know you do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, give us the most out there, interesting bris that you can think of right now. Uh, so I would say this was about seven years ago. It was um, right after, after Rosh Hashanah. We're here with hundreds of students on campus, and we get, I get a call from a family, Israeli family, who's up three hours drive from me in, in Grass Valley. And he's, he tells me he's off the grid. That me, and he says, you're going to have to bring a four by four vehicle to get to me. And the story is that this family was having, uh, having a boy, an Israeli couple, and they lived in this place where they're growing marijuana in uh, abundance. And it's, it's off the grid for a reason. And it's called Hamakor. The location I get there, it's Hamakor. It's called the source. And uh, I, I literally, I, I wasn't sure why I'm coming. And it's a long ways. It's three hours each way. I, I have to, I, I, I meet the, one of his friends outside a Safeway. He has dreadlocks and, and big hair. And, and he's like, follow me. We're going to go off-roading now. We go for 30 minutes. We drive through like a river. And I get to this place. I see trees of marijuana growing everywhere. And, I, and, and this little hot hut, it's like a hovel, uh, a little shack. And I'm sitting there. I, I come up and I see there's, there, there's a, it's a minion, a minion of Israelis there that are living here in the community. And the story is that uh, this, this family didn't want to have a bris. They're, they're very disconnected Jewishly, as you could imagine. And uh, during, during labor, the, 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 you know, they, were, they were distressed. The child was under distress and they didn't know who was going to make it. And the father pledged. He said, if, I, if the baby is born, I'm going to do a proper bris. And so that's why I was called. And uh, that was one of the most meaningful uh, and exciting experiences that, I, that I've experienced. Rabbi Leeds, thank you very, very, very much. The Ebersher should benefit to be able to imachness so many other neshamas under the Shechina and the Bris of Avram Avinu. And together with your Rabbitson, you should continue your incredible work at Chabad, at UC Berkeley, the Mount of Balei Chuvas, and the successful Chabadas that you run. And now we'd like to ask to honor you, please, with being Messiah, we're doing the Siyam. We've read all the Tfilas, but beforehand, the being Messiah, Hilchas Mila from Harmoyel, we can please ask the moderator to please put up the very last halacha as we're going to conclude Let's see how severe, how important 
the matter of bris uh, of circumcision is that Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu was not granted even a temporary uh, break from fulfilling this mitzvah. As we know the story, he was on the road. He was going to take the Jews out of Egypt. You would think that's pretty important. And he had a baby in between. It sounds like a Chabad Shliach trying to save the world. And suddenly he has, to, uh, has, has a baby. But no, he was not uh, off the hook. He had to do it on time. And the whole mitzvah all the entire mitzvahs in the entire Torah have only three covenants associated. So we have three covenants in the, throughout the whole Torah for all the mitzvahs put together. But when it comes to circumcision, he had 13 covenants for this. Uh, for this, It's a good thing we didn't get the bris at 13 years. But uh, 13 covenants, and I'll place my covenant between between me and you. Thank you. I'll keep it short and to the point, as I say. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi Lidz, Yashakayach, and We immediately move to the beginning of a new book, and we are honored with the privilege of having with us today to begin Sefer Zmanim. On behalf of ourselves, all those watching on Chabad.org, those who will continue to watch this broadcast afterwards, Rabbi Shays Taub. Rabbi Shays Taub is coming in the middle of 45 different things. He did everything he could to be on, just coming from a wedding. I don't even know where you're coming, going to. I'm at the wedding. <laughs> you're at the wedding. I'm at the wedding, yeah. At you the might wedding. hear the music <laughs> in the background. <laughs> but before, before, before we begin, and there's so much to say, can we please honor you with beginning Sefer Zmanim that's going to be up on the board, and if you're able to see it, just read and teach us the very first halacha, which we learned. Okay. I'm going to have to, you see, I'm old. I have to take a... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Dice, yeah. Can we make the uh, screen a little bit bigger, perhaps? I don't know if we can magnify it, but okay. Maybe roll it down a little bit, because we, we want to see the start with the halacha. You want to start no, just with... The halacha, the, just the halacha, just, just the halacha, just the halacha. Okay, fine. No problem. Okay. All right. Um, it's a little bit blocked right now. So Jesus make it a little smaller. You see that? Yeah, make it a little bit smaller because it's a little bit blocked by your uh, thumbnail. Okay. There. Now roll it down. Ah, don't move it. That's perfect. perfect. Okay, right. so we're starting Zmanim. Fine. Shvisa bashvi mimlocha mitzvah Resting from labor on the seventh day, meaning Shabbos, is a positive commandment, like it says, on the seventh day, rest. Anyone who does work on that day, not only is he over on a prohibition, but he's also negating the positive, the fulfillment of a positive commandment. And like we said, don't do work. Alasias Malocha. And uh, what are the what is the Chaya for if he does Malocha? If he does it intentionally, then he's going to 
get caught it's and if it is witnessed by two Jews who warn him Nisko he'll be a stoned capital punishment if he does it unwittingly he should bring a sin offering uh, sacrifice thank you thank you thank you so Bas Shabbos Bamanucha after uh, two great books. Now Shabbos comes and people take a little bit of a break because these are harder and longer halachas. And uh, one of the purposes of our seam is to infuse new energy and so that we get rejuvenated and we learn this book correctly. Now, before Rabbi Tao was the Rabbi Tao, what were known, the way that at least I got to know Rabbi Taub was with his map of the Tanya. The first time I heard you give a lecture at a Kinnas HaShulchem, a map of the Tanya. And if there's any book that sort of the master of organization, it's the Rambam. So I'm curious to hear um, in terms of you, the organizer and the person who has given us this picture and a chayis and Tanya, maybe you can give us through your lens a chayis and Rambam and from an organizational perspective as well. You know, that's, that's a fantastic question. Um, you know, one of the last times I was speaking to my dear mentor and friend, uh, Rabbi Gordon, Rabbi uh, Josh Gordon, all of us shalom, who we know did uh, the Rambam on uh, Chabad.org, as, as well as Chitas. So when he finished doing Rambam, he, and he used to tell me, by the way, and I didn't know about his health situation because he was very private about it, but I remember him sharing with me that every morning he would get up and prepare the Rambam beforehand by himself and then give it as a share. And the, that the time in the early, early hours when he would learn Rambam, prepare Rambam, he called that his Rambam therapy. And he told me at when he finished the whole thing, it took him three years because he did the, the one pedic a day. So I, I, he said, Rambam's amazing. So I never appreciated Rambam. I said, what, what about the Rambam you appreciate now? He said, the structure. That's what he told me, the structure, the organization. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the structure. Obviously, the Rambam has a different structure than the Mishnah. First of all, the Mishnah is organized in six orders, and the Rambam organizes his, uh, his compendium in 14 volumes. So it's, it's a little bit different. It's obviously different. And he has a different order how he does things. Like, you know, like Zroyim, for instance, is the first Seder in the Mishnah. With the Rambam, it's in the middle of the whole uh, Yad HaZakim. So he has a different order. Now, I, I'm going to focus on, on the Sefer that we were just Messiah, on Sefer Ava, but let's talk about it a little bit. Okay, F so first we have Mada. Mada is the knowledge you have to know. I mean, in fact, we begin with Yesaidei So literally, he's building a foundation. Yesod means a foundation. So he's building a building. Okay, now after he finishes the Mada, the, the, the things you have to know, he goes to Ava. What's with Ava? He tells us what Ava is. Ava isn't just a nice, uh, cute name for a book. You know, who wrote the book of love? The Rama wrote the book of love, Sefer Ava, <laughs> right? But he says, and remember, before Sefer Mada even begins, there's a, a minion of mitzvahs, and he, and he says the mitzvahs according to the different svarim. So he says why he put the mitzvahs of Sefer Ava that he put there. He says, these are mitzvahs that are tadirois that are constant. And they were given to us for the purpose of constantly reminding us of Hashem. 
So the mitzvahs that are in Sefer Ava are mitzvahs that we do constantly, that we're supposed to do all the time. Now, within that, he builds up in frequency. So the mitzvahs that are most frequent or most constant, Todir, he starts with until he ends with bris milah, which you only do once in your lifetime, right? If you do it right, you only do it once in your lifetime. Okay, so anyways, I'll just, I'll share with you something that's connected to Parsha Veskhanim. So he starts with Shema and then davening. What, why Shema before davening then? Kishma is twice a day. Davening is only Midraisa once a day. Okay, keep on going. I'm going to take us through the book. I know there's a lot of noise in the background, by the way. <laughs> it's okay. You're at a wedding and you're excused. So take us through. Shema is twice a day. Davening is once a day. And then he continues in Birchas Kainim. Okay, and then? So there's a, there's a whole progression why the Rebbe, can, uh, the Rebbe explains the Sicha, actually. It's from Parshas Chelech Lopes, where he explains, from, from this week's Parshas, Parshas Veskan, why, why the, the Rebbe explains why, based on, actually it's based on a Torah of, of the Ragat Shavar, why the, the Rambam considers each one of the mitzvahs increasingly less tadir, increasingly less frequent. Can, can, can you give us it in three minutes? So I, I want to, I want to, because I only have three minutes, I want to okay. focus on something that's very gishma. Okay, go ahead. And it's connected to the Parsha of the week. In Parsha's Vashkanan, we have the Shema, and we have the mitzvahs of two mitzvahs, the mitzvahs of Tfilin Shal Yad and Tfilin Shal Rosh. Okay, so it's interesting. In the Psukim, it's 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 heart and then head. The Ramam does it the opposite. He says the head filling and then he says the hand filling. Why does he flip the order? So the Rambam says like this. You'll notice another diuk that when the Ramam describes what the mitzvah is, he says the mitzvah is the kshira, the koshra, to tie to tie it. It's the action of time. With the head filling, it's they should be. That the film should just be. They should just be there. And the Rogachova explains that the mitzvah of the hand is just to put it on. And once you put it on, you're done with the mitzvah. The mitzvah of the head is that it should be there. And then it also explains with a little bit of Tanya there about the difference between uh, you know, the, the head and the heart. That with the heart, you're constantly having to. Uh, to resist because the heart has its will and you have to fight it every time, each and every time. So you can only really get it under control for a second. With the head, your job is not to be confused. Your job is to know the right thing. Your head, you're supposed to always have a clear head. And that's what Taylor does for us. So he goes, so the Rebbe explains like this. With the hand to fill in, the mitzvah is put it out. With the mitzvah, with the, with the head fill in the mitzvah is that it is on. It's in a state of being on. So therefore, which one is more tadir? Which one is more constant? Clearly the head film, because it's, it's, it stays on. It's, it, the whole time it's on is the mitzvah. The, the hand film is only mitzvah putting it on. The head film is a mitzvah the whole time that it's on. So it's more constant. And that's why, according to the order of the whole Sefer Abba, what's more constant goes first, that I'm flips the order. And even though in the Psukim, 
it says, but the, the Rambam is not going according to Psukim. If he were going according to Psukim, he would be like the Sefer Echinov and go according to Parsha. So you see, even with something like that, how the order, not just the Rambam's description of every mitzvah, but the order, how he puts the mitzvahs is so precise. Wow. Okay. Based on this, everyone's going to have to figure out on their own why then goes Sefer Torah, Sitzis, and Brachas. That we'll have to fit on our own. So you heard it first here, lady. Uh, Check out the Sefer. <laughs> yeah, that uh, Rabbi Tabra, all going to look forward to the big map on Rambam, which will come, God willing, in the right time. And yes, thank you so much for in the middle of a chasana, from, from the Simcha to the Simcha of finishing the Torah to the Simcha, the chasana and the Kala. Thank you very much. God bless the work that you do in inspiring audiences and teaching this around the world. God bless you. Thank you. And as we do conclude, we have actually a phenomenal trivia. We're going to now put up 10 questions. Let's see what we get. These are questions that everyone should be able to remember. We're going to put them up right now, and I'm going to read them out loud as the uh, trivia comes up on the board. The uh, winner, of course, is $100 towards a safer of a set safer of Rambam of your choice. Number one, which reason does the Rambam bring for saying Baruch Shem between Shema and Viahafta? Now there might be other reasons you know, but which one does the Rambam mention? Does he say, does he say A because Yaakov said it to his children? They say B because Moshe heard it from the Malachim. Both or neither, which one ones does the Rambam say bring? Number two, if someone is davening after Zmanfila, not that that ever happens. What is the opinion of the Rambam whether to say Birchas Krishma as well? A, you don't say them. B, you can say them. C, there's an argument. Or D, the Rambam doesn't discuss it. You remember. Number C, how many things must you do and how many important things should you do before davening, right? The Rambam describes between the musts and the shoulds. So is it seven musts and ten shoulds, five musts and eight shoulds, eight musts and five shoulds, five and five. See if you remember the Rambam had a whole chapter about that. Okay, number four. Where does the Rambam say, talk about the importance of preparing yourself mentally before Davin? What does he say? He says, if you didn't have Kavan and you need to read Davin, does he say Chassidim Arishanim would spend an hour before Davin? Does he say when you come from a trip, it's better to wait three days to relax, to give you time to get in the mental framework of davening, or all of the above, does the Rama mention all of these? One or all or which one? Number five, how many brachas of tefillin does the Ramam paskin to say without any hefsek? How many brachas should we say on tefillin if you didn't make an interruption between children yad? One, two, three, or he does not discuss it. Number six, which of the following did Ezra institute? Did he institute Shemana Esrei? Kriyas HaTayra on Shabbos Mincha, the Meturgiman, right, the translator that Ramam taught us about, to read the Klolos before Rosh Hashanah and Shavuos, right, Kisavay and Mechukaisai, or all of the above, which of, or all of, were instituted by Ezra. Number seven, where does the Ramam write about Shnai Mikra Targum? Where does he talk about that? Does he talk about that in Hilchas Sefer Torah, Hilchas Tefillah, Hilchas Tfilin, Hilchas, uh, uh, sorry, Nusachat Tfilah, Hilchas Tfilah, or Hilchas Brachas. Where does the Raman discuss that? Number eight, where does the number 20, where does the number 20 come up in this Sefer? It's a tough one, okay? 
Um, things that are a must for a kayin to do, birchas kayin. There are 20 things a kayin needs to have for birchas kayin. There are 20 things you need for writing a mezuzah, 20 things you need for writing a tefillin, or 20 things for writing a Torah. Who remembers that Amram has a lot of lists in this book? Number nine, when does a baby get a bris at one day old? Is there a situation where a baby has a bris at one day old? Number one, a very healthy baby. Number two, B, never. C, born a week after the due date, or an Evid that was purchased at one day old. Is there a situation, and if so, which one, where a baby gets a bris at one day old? And finally, for what does the Ramam tell us? He tells us, and those of you who are at the Siyam, we, um, uh, we mentioned this briefly, but this is not what we're referring to here. The Ramam say that the Mila has bris 13 times, and the Torah has three. Where does the Ramam mention this? Not at the end, not at the Siyam. Does he discuss to talk about this, why we make a bris while wearing tefillin? Why we mention the bris before Torah in benching? Why giving a bris is more important than writing a Torah? Why a bris is done at such a young age? Take a few moments, fill this out, and we are going to go through the answers. We'll give, we spent a long time reading the questions, so moderator, uh, let us know, but I think we can finish in about 30 seconds or so. Okay, are we done? Moderator, have we had all the questions submitted? Okay, the answers. Why do we say Baruch Shem? What does the Rambam tell us? Because that's what Yaakov said to his children. That's the reason the Rambam mentions. If you have an after Zman can you say Birchas Krishma? Yes, B, you can still say them. How many things must you do before davening and how many should you do before davening to get in the right place, the right time, the right things, um, right dress? That was five things you must do, eight things you should do. That's the right answer. The Rambam talks about mentally preparing yourself before davening. He mentions all of them. He talks about having kavana. If you don't have kavana, you need to read daven. He talks about the chassidim harishonim who would spend an hour before davening. And he says that when you come back from, an, from a journey, wait three days to get in the mental uh, framework of davening. How many brachas of tefillin does Rama mention? One. Which of the following did Ezra institute? He instituted all of them. Shemayin Esrei, Kriya Satayra on Shabbos at Mincha, the Maturgaman, the translator, and to read the curses in the Torah, the Teichacha, before Rosh Hashanah and Shavuos. Where does Rama talk about Shnai Mikra Vechatargim? That was in Hilchas Tefillah. Where did the number 20 come up? That was 20 things you need to write a Torah. When can a baby have a bris at one day old? The answer is... If one purchased an Eved at one day old, then they would be obligated to have the bris mila right away. And finally, where does Ramam discuss um, uh, 13 brisim, 13 covenants created for the bris and 13 covenants, uh, three for Torah? The answer is, that's the reason that in benching, we mention bris before Torah. In the second, in the second bracha benching, we mention bris before Torah. Thank you very much. This was an incredible program. Thank you, Rabbi Leeds. Thank you, Rabbi Taos. God bless everybody. And again, thank you to all those who really run this program. Rabbi Yakit Cantor, Rabbi Chaim Zaklas, Rabbi Slonim, Rabbi Lane, Rabbi Lipsker, Rabbi Glasman, Rabbi Darren, and all those who are behind the scenes. Thank you. God bless each and every one of you. May we all learn Sefer Zmanim with enthusiasm, understand the halachas. Yes, there are long chapters. God should help us. We should understand them and learn them with chayas. And we look forward. This is a lengthy Sefer to joining together again, celebrating the conclusion of Sefer Zmanim.
Hatzlacha Rabba, Mazel Tov, and thank you very much, everybody, for joining us here this evening.